turn to Luke chapter 17. Ed, if you'll put that up there, and we'll read from the overhead. Ed pulled it up earlier. We're going to talk about the ten lepers. Okay? Uh, everybody see it? And you have your own translations. Let's use this. This is NIV. Read along with me, if you would. Something powerful. If you want to stand, you can stand during the reading of God's Word. You can stand up, too. Now, on his way to Jerusalem... Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had uh, leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. As they went, they were cleansed and they were healed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Thank you. May God add blessings to the reading of his word. Talk about thanksgiving. And many times this particular message, we talk about the ten lepers because there were ten that were actually healed, but only one came back to give praise to the Lord. I want to share with you today what's something I think is so important, maybe a little bit different in the past. I think I've spoken on this, but a little bit different. And it's really convicted me because I've read a book by a man named Ray Pritchard that actually is entitled To Keep Believing. You know, when you're going through tough times and it just seems like nothing is working in life and everything is not is falling apart and so forth. And this book, actually, the theme is keep believing, don't give up. Keep believing the Lord. But here, Ray speaks of something that happened in his life. I think it's so significant when you talk about Thanksgiving. And he says this, it was only after he had gone one year without a regular source of income that Ray realized how unthankful he had been. And he writes this, he said during all those years, and he was a pastor, that he received a regular paycheck as a pastor. He said he never once stopped to give thanks to God for his provision. In particular, during the years there at that particular church that he preached at, the church had taken such good care of him. And I was quick to cash those checks, but did not say thank you to the Lord. Never one time can I remember being grateful to God for his provision for our needs. Think about it. <laughs> Are we thanking the Lord? Actually, we've come this morning. May you thank the Lord that he brought you here in some type of form of transportation and you got here safely. You're comfortable here. Did you thank God for breakfast this morning? Do you bow your heads and thank him? Sometimes, you know, I, I get, you know, I'm hungry and here we dive right in. And yet sometimes we neglect to give thanksgiving for all things. Isn't that true? You know, did you thank God for the hot water that you could take a shower with this morning? I'm serious about this, and so is God. God says, are we thankful? And you know, there's something about, obviously, the Bible talks about Romans chapter 1, that they, they fail to give thanks. And, and we know that in our testimonies that I've talked about recently, that Israel forgot the miracles of God, forgot the works of God, and they strayed away. We didn't testify. That's why I spend time on what has God done in your life and what are you thankful for today? So it's very important here when we think about this. We have to stop many times and be reminded of all the blessings 
that God has provided for us. And this particular scripture, I think, is very important in that because faith and thanksgiving are connected right together. When, you're faith, when you have faith, you'll be thankful because it may be that you're thankful for, obviously, only that God has saved you because I know heaven is real and hell is real. The two places are real. The only way we go to heaven is by receiving and believing upon Jesus that he took our place at Calvary. We should have been the ones that died there, obviously, for the end of it. But we weren't. God took sins and he removed them from our lives when we believe upon him. He was our substitute. He, he went in and, and he gave his life. And so I can be thankful throughout eternity for that. And the setting here is actually during the last weeks of Christ's life here. At this point, actually, in his ministry, he's spending a lot of time in obscure places, and he's fully aware of the nearness of his suffering and death. He's sharing more openly with the disciples concerning his death, and his face is resolutely set towards Jerusalem. The Bible says that he set his face like a flint towards Jerusalem. He was determined. He was going to, to Jerusalem no matter what. No one could stop him, and he was going to die for the sins of the world. And the following days, actually, Jesus would travel to Jericho, then Bethany, and eventually into Jerusalem on his triumphant entry. And this theme here, think about it, on his way to Jerusalem here, is mentioned two other times in Luke's gospel. It's Luke's way, I believe, of reminding us that Jesus was intent on doing the Father's will and suffer in our place. And I think, really, we need to sometimes revisit that and sometimes just come back. And, and actually, it was yesterday, and I, I came back and I said, Lord, I, I am set upon doing your will. I am set upon doing what pleases you. And each and every now and then, I had to have, I believe, what I call a heart adjustment. I had to go back and I had to focus upon Jesus and say, I'm set on doing your will. It makes no difference how I feel. This is not about me. It's about bringing glory and honor to God Almighty. And that's the main thing about this. When we get distracted, when we sort of like drift and, and <clears throat> maybe get out of what we know God has called us to do and to be, to be in Christ, then we know, obviously, we need to come back to that and rededicate, recommit, refocus the focus of our heart. This is what Jesus was doing. He was determined. He was resolutely set to go to Jerusalem here. And so when we think about thankfulness, we also we think about our surrender to God. It really is a reflection. We're not thankful. Then a lot of times it may not be. We're not really set and surrendered to the Lord. But the two go hand in hand. And so we see here the first part is is that we've got to give thanks because of our great need. The location of this miracle is important because it takes place on the border of Samaria and Galilee. And as Jesus has demonstrated before, his love extends beyond the Jews because the Samaritans were half-breeds. And he loves people. He loved the Samaritans. You know, Jews thought he just came for, for him. They didn't even believe that he had come as the Messiah but they believe the Messiah is just for them. No, he is for the world. He gave his heart. We've been grafted into the vine there, obviously. And we are the branches. Remember we studied in John chapter 15, and he is the branch there. He is the savior of the world. And even the Samaritans who are hated by the Jews, 
not only was at least one of these lepers was a Samaritan. I believe that's so significant also. And the disease, I'm going to share with you about leprosy a little bit. Leprosy was the most feared disease at that particular time of history. Think about it today. What is the most feared disease in our time? Could be heart disease. It could be cancer. The doctor comes in and says, you have cancer, and it's in the last stages. Whatever it may be, the doctor speaks these things, and, and you, you're, you're sort of anticipating because he, he said, I've got to talk to you because you just had some tests running. You're not feeling good and so forth, and he tells you that you have cancer, and it's in the last stage. Well, that is obviously all types of emotions that go forth from that. But at this time of history, leprosy was the worst disease that obviously you could get. And there wasn't any really cure for it during that day. And in this day, lepers were unclean. In Leviticus chapter 13, it reads the instructions concerning this particular disease. Being diagnosed with leprosy meant that they had to separate from Jewish society and they had to withdraw into a colony of other lepers. They had to get around people that also had leprosy here. Think about this for a moment. Lepers lost contact with their families. Lepers lost their jobs. Lepers had no hope. Lepers could not kiss their children. Lepers could not enjoy family celebrations. They were outcasts. They were alone, and they were impoverished. Now, the difference uh, medically, they talk about it. It could be called Hansen's disease today, and it was discovered in 1873, and so there's a different term to it, and it's still the leprosy. Let me tell you how leprosy actually begins to evolve when someone has leprosy. First of all, there is a patch of skin that's discolored. It may, it may occur on the... The, the nose or the brow or the ear or the cheek or the, skin or the chin. Second of all, the patch turns white or pink and begins to spread rapidly in all directions. Third, the disease spreads to various internal organs. The eyebrows may disappear and a spongy tumor appears on the body. Fourth here, the tissue begins to disintegrate, causing the hands and feet to become deformed. Fifth, the nerve endings of the body are all destroyed. That meant that he, the, the leper could put their hand in a fire and they never would feel it. That meant while they're laying and sleeping that a rat could come in and gnaw off their foot and they would never feel it. Think about it today. You used to have that particular scenario at that particular time. Can you imagine? how bad it was, and what leprosy was all about. They were outcasts. There was no hope for them. They had to go. They left everybody. They, they were out. They had no hope at all, certainly. And because of their desperate need, these lepers cry out for mercy, actually, have pity upon us. Another translation says, have mercy upon us, O Lord, here. And I believe that's even a more accurate, descriptive uh, explanation there. In Luke 16, 24, and he called out here when Jesus is speaking here, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. Now, you remember the story there in Luke 16, what was happening? Abraham, obviously the 
the humble person there was in the bosom of, of Abraham, was in heaven, and the, the man who had a lot of money, who had neglected God all of his life, there was a chasm between the two. They had died, and there was a chasm. And the rich man could see what heaven was like. And he was in torment in hell. He was in hell. I believe this is a picture of hell. And he said, Father Abraham, go and dip your finger in some water and touch it to my tongue because I am in torment. It's terrible over here. And tell my family not to come to this place. Remember the story. Okay, this is what he's saying. He's saying, have mercy upon me. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. We deserve death. We deserve damnation. Jesus took our place. He gave his life for us. He rose from the dead. He's alive forevermore. And have mercy upon us. We cry out for that because you want to know the truth about it? Without Jesus, we all, before we came to Jesus, we were all like this leper. We were without hope. There was nothing. We were adept of our depravity and so forth. Let me tell you, seems like to me the depravity in this world is getting worse and worse, isn't it? You see things happening. There are killings on a regular basis. There, there are things that are happening. There's a hatred that's there. Seems to be a real division amongst people. They don't love anymore and so forth. And I believe spiritually in the Bible that leprosy represents our sinful condition. Without Jesus, there is no cure. And like leprosy, sin spreads slowly. And it takes over the entire body. It kills what it touches. Like leprosy, sin robs us of the pleasures God intends for us to have. Sin separates us from others. And one of the most devastating results for a Jew was that leprosy prevented them from offering sacrifices in the temple. It also prevented them from worshiping in the temple. Their life was completely, they were through and done. Leprosy. When you think about it again spiritually, when you think about it symbolically, that in our life we were lepers. We were without hope. We had a condition that we were eat up with. What like? Well, maybe, you know, I'm not as bad as the other guy here. You know, I was, did y'all see on TV that this one man, evidently, he was a serial killer, and he, they believe he's killed like 90 people. You saw that? I thought I had never seen anything like it. You know, the depravity that man will go to without Jesus Christ in their heart. How devastating it is. How low will you go? And the lepers felt like this. They were outcasts. And that was eating them alive and all. Think about it. I believe this is a reminder of how great God's mercy is. The second thing is, here is we give thanks because God's mercy is greater than our need. There in verse 14, it says, go and show yourself to the priest. Think about it. They probably, maybe, in one way or another, tried everything. They tried everything. Get rid of this leprosy. They were being eat up with it. And they said, well, let's just try one more thing. This man, Jesus, we've heard about him. And he said, go and show yourself to the priest and be cleansed. They said, let's just try it. We are desperate. And you know, coming to Jesus, you've got to realize your desperation. You've got to, re when you're born again, you've got to realize that there is no hope apart from Jesus Christ. You've got to realize 
Your sin has separated you from God Almighty. And God comes in, reveals that to your heart, and then He gives and shows you grace. And you realize the desperate need that you have. Do you know your desperate need of Jesus today? Do you know your desperate need here for your families to know Jesus? And maybe somebody you know doesn't know Jesus. Do you know the desperateness that you need to pray to see these people come into the kingdom of God? Because I want to tell you, there is no hope. There is no other way to heaven. Many people, again, say, I've done great things here, and I've given my money even to the poor, and I've done this and that, and it won't get you into heaven. It's only by repenting and turning to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior will you be able to step. And when you face Jesus there, that you'll be able to come into the kingdom of God. I'll be telling you, these things are real, aren't they? They are real. And these lepers, I believe, are a, a wonderful demonstration of that here, of God's grace and His mercy here. Now, everybody here, I believe, has experienced God's grace. Certainly, if you're saved, you've experienced it. But you've experienced God's grace certainly in your health. You've experienced God's daily provision. You've uh, obviously experienced God's medical care and also even the beauty of creation here. Obviously, you've been given this life to enjoy this life here. And so we have so much to be thankful for. A lot to have. Don't we have so much to be thankful for? The third thing here is, is that we give thanks to whom it is due. In verses 15 through 16 here, the ten lepers, the lepers left celebrating there their deliverance from this disease, but only one returned to Jesus to give thanks. Only one out of the ten. You know, are we the one that returns to give thanks to Jesus? Can we say that we are the one who gives thanks to Him? Or somehow in this message today, are you thinking, boy, I, I really need to get on the stick. I don't give thanks like that. I don't give thanks like that. And I'm talking about, you know, people say, well, we don't want to go overboard about this. I don't think you can go overboard in the blessings of God. Can you? We can't, can we? So we see here, these poor lepers, they were desperate. They were without hope. And, and they go off on their merry way, enjoying the things that God gives us, but never pausing to worship him as the source of all these good things here. You know, there's a danger in a thankless heart, Romans chapter 1, as I mentioned. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. In other words, I believe an unthankful heart is an unregenerated heart, okay? I believe we need to search our hearts because we need to be thankful here. I need to be brought back to this, I want to tell you today. And I always preach to myself, just like I always tell you. We need to be brought back to that. This is a condition of those who do not know God, there in Romans chapter 1. When they're ungrateful or worse yet, when they would complain and grumble, we reflect that heart, I believe, again, of a heart that's never been saved, never been born again there. We are no better than the nine who left without thanking Jesus because you see, you know, the blessings of God will fall on the believers and the unbelievers. Many people today are unbelievers and blessings have fallen, but they have stopped. They have not come back to give thanks to God. Now, the crux of what I'm going to say, listen to this. One particular pastor, he writes this. 
He writes, Jesus' encounter with the ten lepers illustrates the importance of thanksgiving. And countless sermons have been preached about the healing of the ten lepers, focus and attention on the theme of gratitude. The thrust of many of these sermons has been that Jesus healed ten lepers, but that only one of them was grateful. The only polite response that this pastor said to such preaching is to call it nonsense. It is inconceivable that a leper, enduring the abject misery he faced daily in the ancient world, would not be grateful for receiving instant healing from the dreadful disease. Had he been one of these lepers, even Adolf Hitler would have been grateful. But the issue of this story is not one of gratitude, but it's of thanksgiving. It is one thing to feel grateful. It's another thing to express it. Thanksgiving. I'm grateful. All people that receive something are grateful. But are we thankful? Are we willing to go to Jesus and thank Him for these many, many blessings? Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. It's thanksgiving. It's returning to Jesus and giving thanks there. Lepers were cut off from their families and friends, and instant cleansing meant release from exile. And we can imagine them deliriously happy rushing home to embrace their wives and children and saying, look what happened, I got healed. Who would not be grateful? But only one of them postponed his return home and took time to get thanks. You get thanks. Only one. Only one. And it could be said that only one came into the church house to give thanks to God Almighty for saving their souls. Do you see how serious this is? Do you see what God is calling us to do? He's full of grace and mercy. But I want to tell you today, if we need to stop and reflect upon what God has done in our lives, He saved me. He delivered me. He loves me. He loves you. Many people today say, well, I'm grateful for this. I've had, you know, a blessed life. How many people have you told? I've done sermon. I've done funerals galore. I've been a blessed man. I have all of Does he know Jesus? No, he don't know Jesus. We need to talk to him about it. Jim, you know, I've had so many people tell me, I want you to do my sermon, or my, my funeral, or my, fam my family members, but I don't want you to talk about this Jesus. How many people have told me that? <laughs> don't talk to me about this. Y'all think y'all sin in shock about what I just said, but it's the truth. I don't want you up there preaching. I don't want you to tell me. I'm going, I don't have anything to say. What am I going to say? i got to preach Jesus because He's the only way. And I'll forever be grateful for what He did. Let me tell you today, I don't always walk in that because I get distracted. Jerry talked about distract, being distracted today. Very good. Thank you, Jerry. Distracted. We get distracted. We need to push those things out of the way that are not even close to the top priority. They're way down there, and we get involved in all this stuff down here. And God is saying, give thanks to me, Jim. Give thanks to me. You see, it's very important that we stay focused about that. We give thanks when others ignore God's grace. The nine went on their way. That one man, though none go with me, still I will follow. If nobody goes with me, 
If nobody follows Jesus, though, I will still follow Jesus. How about you? Amen. Amen. The nine went away, but that one went back, and he was a Samaritan. He was an outcast, really, because of his race. The Jews hated him. He knew Jesus was Jewish, obviously. He's going, he's going. Are we desperate enough to put all those things aside and just and come to Jesus Christ? Let me tell you, they weren't ungrateful. They, I believe, were simply preoccupied with their enjoyment and their plans to go and be with their families once again. Think about it a minute. One man writes this. I thought it was interesting. What was going through the minds of the nine who were unthankful? They were unthankful to the Lord, and they didn't return to Jesus. Think about this. One waited to see if the cure was real. One waited to see if it would last. One said he'd see Jesus later. One decided that he really never had leprosy. One said he would have gotten well anyway. One gave the glory to the priest. All the priests did it. One said, oh, well, Jesus really didn't do anything. And one said, any rabbi could have done it. And one said, I was already much improved. Now, how many times when God heals us, how many times when we're blessed that somehow we sort of scoot it over and make an excuse for it? How many times have we gone to the doctor and God has provided some through a doctor or through nurses or through medicine, the latest medical technology and so forth, and we sort of say, man, we're glad we've got this latest technology, not even giving a thought to the fact that somehow God somehow worked in the intelligence of man to be able to make that particular technology and to make that medicine or whatever it may be and never give God thanks. Ah, it's better anyway. I'm getting better here. He do. Deuteronomy <clears throat> chapter 8, verse 12 says, Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, and when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you'll forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. In Psalm 106, they forgot the God who saved them, who had done great things in Egypt. <clears throat> Forgetfulness in Jeremiah chapter 2. Has a nation ever changed its gods? Yet, they're not gods at all. But my people have exchanged their glory for worthless idols. Be appalled at this, O heavens, and shudder with great honor, declares the Lord. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. <clears throat> Pride. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe His commands, His laws, His decrees that I have given you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, and when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all of those have been multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you'll forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. God has delivered us 
We need to talk about it until the cows come home, so to speak. Amen? We need to talk about it. We need to testify to God's miracles. They'd forgotten it, and they strayed. And that's what's happened in America. We've forgotten the miracles of God in this country because God Almighty has blessed America. And we need to return to Him because without Him, we are nothing. But we have forgotten. We've slipped, slipped away from being thankful and giving praise to Him. We've got all this religion and we don't have relationship. Because when we have relationship, you're enthralled with Jesus Christ. You're enthralled with His beauty. You're enthralled with who He is. But we've forgotten it. Don't talk about it. Don't talk about Jesus. Even at somebody's funeral, don't talk about this stuff. Don't preach. We don't want to be preached at. Well, somebody's got to do something because we're going down the wrong way. We've tried it that way. Let's try it a new way. How about that? Stand on the promises of God. Jesus could come back any moment. And it may be that at that point, the tribulation starts. And let me tell you, we've been looking at it some on Wednesday night. It is very, very horrifying. If I didn't know Jesus, and we didn't know Jesus Christ, let me tell you, there would be fear like you've never known before because it's going to be bad. Let me tell you, complaining. When I talked about that sermon mentioned by Ray Pritchard, he talks about the, our ingratitude. He says this, if it's manna, then we wish we had quail. If it's cereal, we complain because we want eggs. If it's our black suit is not ready, we complain because we want, we, we, we have to wear our brown suit. If we have $500, we complain because we don't have 1000 If we have 1000 we grumble that it's not 5000 If we don't have cancer, we complain about our arthritis. If we have a car, we wish it was another car. We dream of a better job because we could do, be doing so much better than we are now. When we're not thankful for what we have received, we open the door to every other sin. It's true. We're not thankful. I'll close. Matthew Henry. He was an early American preacher. And in his commentary on the Bible, he, he was tra traveling to preach one time, and Matthew Henry was robbed. He, he got robbed. Now, most people wouldn't think that would be a circumstance in which you could give thanks, but he did. And he wrote this. He said, I'm thankful that during these years, I've never been robbed before. And also, even though they took my money, they didn't take my life. And although they took all I had, it wasn't much. And finally, I'm grateful that it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. You look at life like that? <laughs> wasn't much anyway. They took everything I had. It wasn't much. Yeah, I'm grateful. Let me tell you. I'm asking God to change our heart. Change my heart. Change my heart, oh Lord. I'll conclude with this. I shared it on Wednesday night. There's a blessing of judgment. <clears throat> I believe right now we're, we're being judged here in this country. I, that's me. I'm subjective. I did a lot of reading, a lot of listening, and weeding between what people are saying and who's saying it. And whether or not they're just saying it just to be uh, 
to be popular. But I need to tell you right now, I believe God's being judged in this country. And you see, there is a blessing of judgment is because judgment is for our safety. God does not enjoy judgment. God wants us to live according to his plan, his will. But the only way many times he can get our, our attention is by sometimes allowing things to happen we just never thought would happen. He even allows a country to do that when a country goes astray and has forgotten God. And I'll be honest with you, I believe the United States of America has forgotten God. And that's why I cry out for revival. We need an awakening. Now, I've changed that. I, we need an awakening that God's spirit will move to show me because I want to be holy. I believe that's very, very true. We fail when our love for God is not enough to keep us from sinning. When you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, which we've talked about, and love your neighbors yourself, when you love Him that much, then that's when we fall, we stumble. And that's why I ask the Spirit to stir in our hearts and I pray in this church that we would fall in love with Jesus Christ. Amen. Satan studies us to tempt to find our witness. And Satan studied Eve in the same manner. Adam heard the command of God. He said, you can eat from any tree here except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But once you eat of that fruit of that tree, you'll die. And he's talking about certainly physically, but also spiritually. He gave him that. Eve didn't. Eve was not on board at that particular time. Or he wasn't, she wasn't, uh, she wasn't there. So Adam was not deceived. He purposely did what he wanted to do. Eve was actually deceived. She was deceived. We purposely do things that are not pleasing to the Lord. We know they're not right. We need to ask the Lord to speak to us. Every temptation that you and I face raises the question, has God really said this? Is God's word really true? Every temptation... Satan will hit you and say, ah, you don't really need to do this and that. Now, church doesn't save you, don't get me wrong, but that's what people are hearing all over now because they're not in the church house listening to the word of God. It's not about me. It's about God, okay? But this, this church or this, this generation, they're not in the church listening to the word of God. Because they basically say, you know what, I've, I've heard so many tell me, they tell me, they said, Jim, I don't need to go to church to be saved. And I said, no, the church doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. But you need the church and the family of God to come and for to stir your faith and that you worship him corporately. How many people say, you know, my dad was not, he didn't go to church. He, he kind of believed in God. He had something there. And you know what that man listened to? He's saying, Surely God hasn't said that, that you've got to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Come on. That preacher's radical. Anyway, all that preacher talks about is money. How many times have you heard that? How many? I'm not going back to that church because all they talk about is money. It's all about it. And you listen to the devil saying, Surely God hasn't said these things. Surely, come on. When we do sin, we run to Jesus. And I'll say this right now. When we sin, we run to Jesus. Don't go away. Remember Adam, he, he hid, or he thought he did. And God said, where art thou? Well, he knew where he was. God, God. 
but we go and hide. Jesus said, don't run. Come back to me and confess it. And you know the way of Jesus, our great high priest, and if you read the book of Hebrews, he says this very, very plainly. He says, yes, you did. I know you're sorry, but you're back. But you're back. Don't ever stay away from God because of something maybe you, you blew it and you may have blown it bad. Run back to Jesus there. Being in love with Jesus, obviously, our most important thing we could ever be. And all sin begins with the spoken, I believe, in 1 John chapter 2. The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Jesus was successful in defeating sin because he depended on the Holy Spirit and the Word of God was hidden in his heart. And this is one thing that's real, real, uh, very, very important. When we counsel people and you're around people, don't think about changing their behavior. See how you can make them feel loved. That's what people are looking for. A lot of times we have the priority is if they just change their behavior. If I just, I just don't like the way they're doing this and that. If you make them feel loved, God can convict them. We try to take the place of God when we do that. We can't change anybody. Only Jesus can. Make them feel loved, just like Jesus made us feel when we came to a saving knowledge of him. We have a great high priest. His name is Jesus, who will always be there for us. I believe this next move of God will experience what we, I believe will, will be a, a, a movement of holiness. Everything I've read, and I read everything I can get my hands on that I feel like people are hearing from the Lord. It's a move of holiness. When you have an experience with the Lord, it will strengthen you if it's of the Lord. You've experienced Him. It will be of the Lord always, and it will strengthen you. And what will happen when that takes place? You'll want more. Because there's no limit to our God. Amen? You'll want more and more and more. When God touches you, I want to encourage you to get along with the Lord, sit in His presence, and ask Him to touch you. Ask Him that you may feel His presence and His love. Just sit quietly, just like Jerry taught on it this morning, actually. Just cut everything off, get quiet before the Lord. Old-timers <clears throat> and old saints of the Lord use solitude as a way of really being in touch with the Lord, a solitude. We don't like that too much, but we've got the TV, we've got the radio, we've got everything. But God speaks in those quiet moments. Get along with Him. Time may be short. I won't say, because subjective, what I felt like God was saying, but time could be short. I do know some people that I trust and, and um, believe with integrity of what they're saying as far as the church getting ready. I believe we need to be ready. Don't you? I believe we need to be ready. Don't be like those, uh, <clears throat> the five virgins that didn't have their lamps trimmed in Matthew 25, I believe. Don't be like them. Get your lamps trimmed with the power of the Spirit, the, the filling of God's Spirit now, because time could be short. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, your truth. Thank you for your presence here today. The only one to speak is spoken truth and only the Word of God. May your presence be known in every person here in this place. And again, Lord, if there be one that needs healing or deliverance or maybe just salvation, they've never really put their faith in Jesus, today would be that day. Anybody that 
that feels a tug on their hearts, remember, I'm always, I'll stay after church and pray with you, uh, whatever the issue may be. I am here for you to pray with you. Ask God to touch you. I'm always available. You call me. I'll meet you wherever and, and talk about this Jesus, okay? And whatever, because I believe that time is short. And I believe it's critical that we all come in line with what Jesus is doing in the earth today. I want to be a part of that, and I know you do also. Father, we thank you and bless each and every one. Fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.